And I'm glad that you're here this morning. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. It's amazing how you can go into a town and don't know anybody, and you can find somebody that's got a similar spirit, got the Holy Ghost. Have you ever done that? You're just drawn to them. You know, hey, are you a believer? I mean, Paul goes to Ephesus and he finds certain disciples. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? You're supposed to receive the Holy Ghost since you believe. It's a sort of a natural progression. If you believe, you receive. And they said unto him, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't even know what you're talking about. He said to them, unto what then were you baptized? Notice Paul is saying there's a connection between believing, receiving, and being. Believing, receiving, and being. You receive the Holy Ghost, being baptized. He said to them, what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. They were disciples of John the Baptist. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Paul says, this is awesome what you've done, but John pointed to Jesus as the Lamb should be baptized in Jesus' name. And when they heard this, they fussed and cussed and said, this is for you, but we've done our own thing. You have your religion, I have my religion. Is that what the Bible says happened? And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Have a spirit like that. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost rebuked them for being baptized again because once you're baptized, you should never ever be baptized again. Is that what the Bible says? And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Even heaven said, this is the way you do it. And all the men were about 12. There were 12. 12. The Bible says in 19.1, they were certain disciples. In Acts 19.7, it says all the men were about 12. We've all heard about the, the 12 disciples of Christ, the famous ones. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the other 12. The other 12. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thankful for your word, thankful for your people. Thankful for your house and thankful for your name. Open our hearts and minds to your word and give us courage to respond in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We've heard about the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. Gospels are full of great stories about how the Lord called these men. Peter and Andrew were brothers and they were fishermen. And It had been about a year and a half since John the Baptist had introduced Jesus down in the wilderness there where his ministry was, Jesus had come, and of course, going through all that he did with the temptation, 40 days in the wilderness, and John had pointed his followers to Jesus and said, this is the Christ, this is the Lamb of God. And so some of those disciples had seen and heard, and some had followed, but Jesus had gone back up to the northern regions. He was from Nazareth, and he had come down to preach in Capernaum. Capernaum is a little city, a little village on the banks there of the Sea of Galilee. And I believe the Bible records it that Jesus knew the Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah that in this particular area where Capernaum was, that the people that sat in darkness would see great light. So I believe Jesus, being aware of those prophecies, he wanted to get in that vein. So he, he went down to Capernaum from Nazareth and he, he saw Peter and Andrew fishing and it Piers and Andrew may have even recognized him from what had happened a year and a half before when John the Baptist pointed uh, his followers because there was some recognition. The Bible records that. But he says to these two brothers that are there fishing, this is an area that's very common for fishing. The water is shallow, the rocks are smooth, and fish congregate in that area. And so this is where a lot of people that were in the fishing business resided. And he sees Peter and Andrew there and he notices that they're fishermen and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they do. And then they come upon John and James, their brothers. They're also fishermen and they're sitting in a small boat with their father, Zebedee. They're mending their nets and 
Jesus calls out to them and gives them the same invitation. And they immediately leave their boat and their nets and their father. And, and they follow Jesus. And the following day, Jesus meets Philip of Bethsaida. Bethsaida is another little community right close to Capernaum, which is now open to the public. They've done a lot of renovations in Bethsaida. And uh, that's also a little fishing village there on the banks of the Galilee Sea. And he invites him to follow. And so right away, Philip follows. And, and then he goes and gets Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is a little different breed. He's a, a real sort of a sophisticated, proper Israelite. And he's a little stuck on himself, to be honest with you. He asks this question of Philip. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, Philip says, hey, this is the one we've been looking for, Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And the Lord's standing right there, and he hears him. He says, I knew you before Philip called you out from under the fig tree that you were under. And Nathaniel immediately says, you are the Messiah. You are the Lord. You are the God. You are the one that we're looking for. And the Lord basically says, you hadn't seen anything yet. You just come and follow me. All I did was tell you where you were at under a fig tree before you were called. But I got news for you. We got great things coming. And he follows the Lord. And then the Lord calls Matthew, who's the tax collector, who's sitting there at the entrance of the city. Many believe he was from Capernaum as well, collecting taxes from the people. He calls Judas, sometimes called Thaddeus or the brother of James. And then Simon the Canaanite, sometimes called Simon Zelotes and Thomas, who becomes known as Doubting Thomas. And James, who's the son of Alphaeus and Judas Iscariot. Those become the 12. And the Lord pours himself into them. They're not always easy to keep up with because you got two that are named Simon, and you got two that are named James, and you got two that are named James, Judas. And sometimes you'll see the Bible attempts to distinguish them when talking about one or the other. But these are the 12 that the Lord calls. He pours himself into them. They are the 12, they are his inner circle. And over the course of time, these 12 become very well known. Well, we know that Judas betrays Jesus and when Jesus is crucified and then raises from the dead and comes out of the tomb and then eventually ascends into heaven, that there are only 11 that are left because Judas, dealing with the guilt and the pain of betraying the Lord, goes out and hangs himself. And the Bible talks about this in the book of Acts. They, they named the field a Seldomah which is the field where he goes and hangs himself because of the guilt and the remorse of betraying his Lord Jesus. And as a result of that, we find that this field that he hangs himself in is called a seldom of the field of blood. And there's a vacancy that's left in the 12. And the Lord tells him, you need to go to Jerusalem and you're going to be endued with power from on high. And so they do that. They go back to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, and when they were come up, they went into the upper room where abode, and then he names them Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. There's 11 of them that are there because Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord, is now absent. And the Lord had told him, you're going to go back to Jerusalem and you're going to pray and you're going to tarry. You're going to call upon God and there's going to come a promise and the promise is going to come of the Father and you're going to be endued with power from on high. And the disciples plan on doing that, but they can't hardly get it out of their call. They've got to get a replacement. They've got to get that 12th spot filled. And so before they can even get to a prayer meeting, they got to have a business meeting. Now we've got to have a 12th one, folks. We got a lot of good men here. And we're going to get one. And so they do this ancient lottery system called casting lots. And however it lands is hopefully the Lord's in this. And so it lands on Matthias. And they call Matthias and they say, now you're the 12th one, Matthias. But the Lord doesn't seem really impressed with their little system and their choice because we never hear from Matthias again. But instead, the Lord calls his own. He calls a fellow by the name of Paul. Paul's on his way to Damascus. He's got his own thing going. And the Lord says, you know what? If I can get you on the right track, I can use you. Yes. Folks, don't ever discount somebody. Because it doesn't look like that God could use them. You have no idea. I was in the Bahamas a few weeks ago with my wife for our anniversary. And this man that works there in the Bahamas, he told me, he said, they got land down here on the south of this island. They've been trying to find a buyer for for 10 weeks. No, 10 years. 
10 years they've been trying to find a buyer for this land. It's worth, I don't know, 15, 20 million dollars. We've been trying to get a developer down here to get this going. And he said, Bill Gates come up here and landed his private jet at an airport north of here. And he got on a little cart, a little golf cart. He rode down to the real estate office and he had on shorts and he had on a tank top and a ball cap and sunglasses. And he went into the office and he said, I'm interested in that land down there. And the lady looked at him and she said, sir, that's down to your price range. He said, thank you very much. He got back on his golf cart, never said a word, went all the way back down to his jet, got on his jet and went home and never bought the land. That lady was fired. Because you better never assume that somebody don't have money. Come on now, some of y'all that work in sales, you were taught that a long time ago. Don't ever assume based on the way somebody looks that they can't afford it. And don't ever assume based on the way somebody looks that they don't have a hunger for God. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know what God is doing in their spirit. So the Lord calls Paul. He becomes the apostle of the Gentiles. There's no doubt that these 12 are special. They're used of God in a special way. And on that first day, the Holy Ghost is poured out. 3,000 people are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then after that, 5,000. And this new birth experience, and it takes off. It takes off like wildfire. It changes the then known world. And here we are over 2,000 years later. And it's still shaking the earth. Would I like to be one of these 12? Absolutely. I would love to have been one of them 12. Peter, James, John, David. Doesn't it fit? It just sounds like it. It ought to go in there. But in many ways, I can relate better to these other 12. We don't even get to know their names. There was about 12... The Bible says they were certain disciples. They weren't just disciples. They were certain disciples. These guys weren't in Jerusalem when the Holy Ghost was being poured out. They were up there in Ephesus. Ephesus is up north there. Now it's even part of Turkey. It's it's a ways up there. I mean, they had walked in the light that had been revealed to them. They had done what they knew to do, but they didn't know anything about Jesus' name. They were up in Ephesus. They didn't know anything about receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. They weren't there on the day of Pentecost, and neither were you and I. But I'm glad the Lord has got an opening for some other disciples. I'm glad the Lord is calling some other disciples. And you see, Peter, when he was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he opened the door for this because he preached the message of conviction. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, and you read about all this, and he says, you're the ones that slew him and hung him on a tree. He was your Messiah, and you messed up, and you missed it. I've paraphrased all of it. Save you a lot of time. And they say, well, what do we do? He says in verse 38 of Acts 2, you need to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on, he says, for this promise is unto you and to your children. And all of them that are afar off. That's me. That's you. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't get the connection, we are afar off. We don't live in Jerusalem. We're far off geographically. We're far off time frame wise. 2,000 years later. But Peter said, this is for all of them that are afar off. This is for those that were born without a revelation of who Jesus is. This is for those that were born into families that may be drug addicts, alcoholics. You may not have had parents that were in the church, but I've come to tell you that God is calling some other disciples. The world may not know your name. But God knows your name. He created you in his image. And in this postmodern world that we live in, the 21st century, these 12 unnamed heroes have done so much for the gospel because they stand for something that is rare. And this is what it is. When faced with the truth of the name of Jesus, They did not resist it. They embraced it. 
Those other disciples living up in Ephesus, when they were faced with this revelation of Jesus' name, baptism, they didn't say, well, I don't know about all that. I'm going to have to study that out. I'm going to check with my grandma. I'm going to have to go back and check my birth records. They just said, let's get baptized. Folks, I told our early service about this. I'm so excited to tell you about this. They have for years been talking about how religion is in decline and traditional religion is in decline and people are leaving churches and that's true. Churches are shutting down all over the world and America's right there behind them all. Europe churches are all shut down. People are moving into anti-God. But all of these reports that are coming out now, all these people, these aren't believers. These are New York Times reporters and people that go to Harvard University and some that are professors. All of these, everybody agrees together that they have miscalculated because we are finding a growing trend. You can read it. It's all in the, all the periodicals. But they're, they're saying we're finding a growing trend that it's not that people are leaving church and moving into an anti-God secular form of philosophy. But they said what we have found now is that people are leaving traditional religions and they're going to a church where they can be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. They said there's a reason why Pentecostal churches are outgrowing every other church in the world. It's because when people come into the presence of God, they cannot deny it. It's real and it's the power of His name. There's a revival going on in this world. Paul says you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They They'd already been baptized. They'd been baptized into repentance. They were disciples of John. But they were so sincere. They just said, okay. I love these guys. I'm going to look for them when I go to heaven. I'm going to try to find them, Brother Richie. And I don't know how I'm going to find them because heaven's going to have a lot of people in it. I just want to say this for what it's worth. This is not in my notes. And I certainly didn't say this in the first service. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. This business about the party's going to be in hell and there's going to be a few little self-righteous people in heaven. That is a lie. There ain't going to be no party like the party in heaven. Ain't nobody going to be partying in hell. There's going to be suffering and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven casting their crowns and worshiping God. I'm planning on being a part of it. I said, I'm planning on being a part of it. Woo! Anybody else in here besides me can't wait to go to heaven. When I get to heaven, whoo, hallelujah. I got a friend of mine that's going to be with us in a couple of weeks, March 11th. You better mark your calendars. You better be here on March 11th. If you don't, you're going to miss it. Tom Trimble is going to be with us. Unbelievable songwriter, singer, preacher, pastor. He wrote that song, I'm Just Warming Up. Carol Magruder sang it all over the world, made it popular, but my buddy Tom's the one who wrote it. I'm just warming up for that meeting in the air. When I get to those streets of gold. I'm going to let him sing because he can sing and I can. But I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to look for them 12. And I don't know their names, so it's not going to be easy. But I'm going to find that guy. Who wrote the book of Acts? Is it Luke? I'm going to find Luke. Where's Luke? There he is. I'm going to say, Luke, you may not know me, but I named my son after you. Maybe that'll give me an inroad. But you recorded. I don't know if you was on the journey or Paul told you later how it all worked. But there were 12 guys in Ephesus. And you didn't put their names down. I'm glad you didn't. Because they're unnamed heroes. But I'm going to tell you what. I know these other 12, they're getting all the publicity and everybody's crowded around them trying to get their autograph, but I'm wanting to know about them other 12. Well, here, I'll take you in my golf cart, go down there and show you where their little <laughs> mansion is. 
I'm going to go down there and knock on the door. Where y'all at? Come out here. Come on, we're going to have a victory party together. Because I can relate to you more than I can the other 12. I'm thankful for the other 12. God chose them, called them. A lot of them sacrificed their lives. I'm not taking away from them. But there's something about these other 12 that nobody knows anything about them except a few verses that when they said, you need to be baptized again, they said, okay. I love that spirit. I love these 12 that simply said, I got God, I've got a relationship, but I want more. I want more. I want more. I don't know where they went to find water. Ephesus is right there on the sea. Maybe they just went down there and baptized them. I don't know. They just found water. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about preaching overseas. You don't have to have, you know, here we got heated. We got right back here, we got heated water. We got big fluffy towels. You can't get in a five star hotel back here. Robes, private changing rooms. Brother Richie and his team back there guide you and baptize you. And if you don't want to get baptized here, there's something wrong with you. I mean, it's a great experience in the natural and in the spiritual. But man, I tell you what, overseas, you'll, you don't even always have access to water. People just, yeah, we'll be baptized. What do we got to do? Well, the Bible says we got to go down in water. You know, you remember reading in the book of Acts about Philip that went down there in the desert? There's a guy down there who's going back home to Ethiopia where he's from. He's took charge of the treasure of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's going home. He's reading Isaiah about the promised Messiah. And, and the Lord, he just picks Philip up out of a revival and going on in Samaria. Drops him down. I mean, long before Star Trek, God was transporting people. Plopped him down right out there. He said, what am I doing out here? Just hang on. Here comes a chariot. Man's reading Isaiah. Understand us out without readers? How can I accept some man should guide me? Well, I can do that. Well, come on up here in my chariot. He says, who's he talking about, himself or someone? He said, no, he's talking about Messiah and Jesus. And they start talking about this and that. Da, da, da. He starts telling him about baptism. He says, well, they come across a little old oasis of water out there in the middle of the desert, that south uh, Galilee area, or south of Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem, down in the desert, Gaza Strip area. And he said, well, here's water. What does hinder him? He said, all you got to do is believe. Cause the chariot to stop. Go down the water and baptize him in Jesus' name. He ain't got to check with his grandma, Aunt Betty. He ain't got to wait till all the relatives come around. He ain't wait till he gets back to Ethiopia. He said, here's water. I believe. What does hinder? I'm going to look for that guy too. I got to find that guy. He's from Ethiopia and he used to work for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. I got to look for that guy. Hopefully he's still saved when he died. I hope he was. He got baptized in Jesus' name though. I know that. Hopefully he went back to Ethiopia. I got to believe he brought it back to Ethiopia. Because, Brother Scott, they got, they got a church of over a million people in Ethiopia that are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Our ministers have gone over there and in one crusade had over 100,000 people filled with the Holy Ghost in one crusade. Good God Almighty. Now you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Suck your thumb if you want to. Because you're a Jesus name apostolic believer. But as for me and my house, I'm excited that I know who Jesus is. I'm excited to tell you, I'm apostolic from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. There is no other name. It's all in the name of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So you get these people sometimes you're overseas and they just, you just share with them the word and they just, they just jump on it. I love it. We were, uh, last year we were in Brazil down there. I'm talking about a rough, rough place. It's one of the roughest neighborhoods, about an hour outside of Rio de Janeiro. And the Bible school is down there. And Sister Norris is a missionary, her husband was a missionary and then he passed away and she took over the work. She runs that Bible school and she pastors about three churches. Some of the roughest, you won't believe, I can't even describe it to you. 
but just full of crime and killing and murder and drug, everything you can imagine. Boy, they all protect Sister Norris. They won't, nobody, they won't let nobody hinder her, hurt. They stand outside her church while she has service. And they stand out there and the people come down the street hollering and yelling. They'll tell them, go there and be quiet because the lady's having church in here. Be respectful. They got guns on them and drugs, all kind of craziness. But they won't let nothing happen to her. They had some killing in there. Somebody chopped off somebody's head and they come in there and, and this guy come in there and he told Sister Norris, he said, I'm the one that chopped off the head. I got it outside. You want me to bring it in here? She said, don't bring it in here. What am I going to do with it? He said, well, I got to bury it. She said, I don't know nothing about it. The cops are going to be here. I don't know. That's the kind of neighborhood they're in. We were down there. We had, a, we had a conference at the Bible school. And then after the Bible school was over, Sister Norris had, had witnessed and got some of these people out here. A couple of them were drug lords and drug runners and all these kind of stuff. She said, they come up here and we prayed for them. They said, we're ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. We didn't have a baptistry. We didn't have nothing. So somebody found an old barrel. Put that picture up there. We got them right there in that barrel, filled it up with water. Put water in it right there. All we did was say, in the name of Jesus, that little old skinny man went down inside of that barrel in Jesus' name. That's his buddy back there on the left. He did the same thing. We put him down in water in Jesus' name. We baptized five of them drug guys down there in the name of Jesus in that barrel. And every one of them come up out of the water speaking in tongues. As the Holy Ghost came upon them, you may never know their name. But that's some of the other disciples that God is still saving. See, here is water. What doth hinder us? Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I can tell you about a couple years ago, we went down to Honduras where there's a children's orphanage down there. It's not United Pentecostal Church. Them kids down there have never been taught about Jesus' name, baptism. But my buddy Tom Stanley, he said... Teach about Jesus' name, baptize. I baptized Thomas Stammon right back here in Jesus' name last year. He said, go down there and teach Jesus' name, baptism. We'll baptize all them kids in that pool in Jesus' name. He got a pool down there. I said, let's do it. So we went down there. All them kids lined up. There's some of our kids. I mean, look at that water. That water was green. We don't care nothing about what color the water is. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, you ain't worried about what color the water is. All them kids lined up. I taught a little lesson about Jesus' name, baptism. They all got in line. They loved We baptized them all. And then some of the workers and the people that were working as the counselors and all that, they said, can we get baptized in Jesus' name too? They all lined up. So a bunch of y'all were there with us. We baptized all of them in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you what, folks. It don't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what nationality. See, here is water. These are some more of the other disciples. These are just kids in an orphanage in Honduras. But they've got the name of Jesus. A few years ago, we were in China. We are going to these underground churches. God's pouring out the Holy Ghost. These people are getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Ghost. We're meeting secretly in this factory where they make clothes, this factory where they make plastic. This we're meeting in all these private places. All these people are getting the Holy Ghost. And they got to try to keep it quiet because you could be arrested for going to church. And we got to talk about baptism. They said, we got to get baptized. We don't have any water. Where are we going to go? Somebody said, the only water we got is that big old lake down there on the main highway. They said, well, we'll just go down there. I'm thinking it's out in the open. Everybody's going to see it. They said, we don't care. We got down there. <laughs> we got, put that picture up there. All them people got baptized in that lake right out there in front of God and everybody. They said, we don't care. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We want everybody to know that some of the other disciples, that some of that other crowd, and we don't know their name. few years before that, about five years ago, we were in Vietnam. We were working with these individuals. They never heard about Jesus' name, baptism. Many of them were pastors. Some of them were just lay people. Well, we had to, kind of, everybody came together. We even had the police show up. They said, what are you all teaching here? We said, we're teaching about the name of Jesus. They said, that's all right. Can we sit in? We said, yeah. They sat around the front row. They sat there through the whole thing. I didn't know if we were going to get arrested at any moment. I mean, no, Vietnam has communists. They sat right there on the front row. We taught all about Jesus. And we got all through that. We said, we're going to have a baptism. They said, we're going to get baptized. They said, we don't know. We get, there's a public swimming pool. I said, well, can we get access to the public swimming pool? They said, yeah, we went out there and baptized these people right here in the public swimming pool. In Jesus' name, in Vietnam. I got to look at that crowd right there. 
Not counting that little girl. There's 12 of them right there. I got to thinking, there's some other disciples right there. There's some other disciples. We got them in Ephesus, Brazil, Vietnam, China. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you were baptized in the titles as a child. If you want to know him, it's available for you. Oh, pastor, I'll never, I'll never be famous. I'll never be able to accomplish all that these 12 did. Those that walked with the Lord, they saw the miracles. They saw the dead raised, blind eyes open. Peter and Andrew, James and John. We won't ever... We will never be at that level. What about these other 12? All they did was obey. All they did was say, sign me up. They'd already been baptized. When they were confronted with the revelation of the name of Jesus, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You're fixing to hear about it because when they come up out of the water, the Lord poured out his spirit upon them. I think he did it because John is the one who testified and said, we're going to baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. good buddy of mine, Brother Anthony Mangett, pastors out in Alexandria, Louisiana, was on TBN recently with Jensen Franklin. They were talking about baptism. They were talking about prayer and fasting. And Brother Mangett started prophesying about the power of Jesus' name. He said, there's coming, a, there's coming a move across this nation and this world. He said, it's a revelation of the name of Jesus. Entire churches are being baptized in the name of Jesus. Boy, the Holy Ghost started falling. They started asking people to pray. Brother Anthony Mangan said, I'm going to ask my mom. She's 92 years old. I'm going to ask her to come up here and pray in just a moment. But before she does, I'm going to ask you if you're watching right now by television or you're watching by your smartphone. Well, here I was. I was in the Bible study with uh, Fady and Nor. And, Nor- and my wife and I, we were sitting around the dining room table. And we'd been talking about the tabernacle plan and praying the tabernacle plan. And, and my wife started playing this interview. And she started playing on her iPhone. And Brother Manga said, if you're watching by your smartphone, I want you to kneel down right where you're at. Well, I tell you what, they kneeled down right where we were at, right at my dining room table, right there on Monday night this past week. And we kneeled down. They kneeled down. I kneeled down with them. We all kneeled down. My wife, we all kneeled down. And we started praying. They started praying that tabernacle plan. And I looked at Fady. He was shaking. He said, I feel like fire's going through my body. I said, that's the Holy Ghost, Fady. Woo, that's the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, the Holy Ghost came upon us right there. I've come to tell you, folks, uh, it doesn't matter where you're from. uh, It doesn't matter what you're going through. uh, There is a revelation of the name of Jesus that if you call on his name, he will respond to you. Heaven responded to him. Heaven will respond to you. They may never know your name, but you know what? Your obedience stands for something so powerful. We all heard of Billy Graham. We said goodbye to him this past week at 99 years old. He lived a full, long life, was a pastor of presidents. In fact, I read in Bill Clinton's memoirs that when Bill Clinton was just a little boy in Arkansas, Billy Graham came there and did a crusade. Bill Clinton went over there and filled out a card and prayed the sinner's prayer, gave his heart to the Lord. I've read in other memoirs about... George W. Bush, who later on became president, was, was a young man and was having trouble drinking. His father asked Billy Graham to come to their house up there in Kennebunkport, Maine, and talk to his son. And Billy Graham walked down there along those cliffs, that eastern side of Maine, and started talking to George W. Bush and said, George, that alcohol is not going to get you anywhere. You've got to give your heart to God. The memoirs record that he turned his heart over to the Lord. 
from that day forward never had another drink again according to his own testimony but Billy Graham was used of God and a lot of things that happened in his life he was a my goodness he was an advisor spiritual advisor to at least eight US presidents <coughs> preached crusades and millions of people all over the world everybody knows everybody knows Billy Graham in fact this Wintley Phipps guy that pastors right across the street over here he used to be a solo singer in his crusades Billy Graham's told us all kind of stories lived his whole life really without scandal he's to be admired he was a giant among men but there's some things about Billy Graham you may not know one thing you may not know is that he attended Bible school in Florida preached his first sermon here 81 years ago 1937 in Florida you see he was attending this little Bible school over there north of Tampa and there was a dean of the school whose name was Dr. John Minder he was a tall red-headed guy from Switzerland and he was uh, kind of taking a liking to Billy Graham. He knew he was hungry for God. He's only 18 years old, just then as a rail, not really a great academic student, but a person who was hungry for God. So over the Easter weekend of 1937, Dr. Minder invited Billy to go with him to a summer conference that they were going to have up there at Lake Swan, which is a little campground up there in northeast uh, Florida, up there not too far from St. John's River and Jacksonville up there in that area. On a blustery, cold Saturday, they met Cecil Underwood, who was a lay preacher. He was pastor in the nearby Penal Baptist Church. And Mr. Underwood asked Dr. Mender to preach uh, on a Wednesday night there at a small Baptist church in Boswick. Boswick's a little town, just a little crossing the road up there in Florida. And Dr. Mender said, no, I, I can't do that, but Billy's going to preach. Billy was standing there, and Billy said, say what? He said, Billy, you're going to preach. He was stunned at the response of his professor. At that time, he'd only had four borrowed sermons that he had adapted, and he had practiced them out in the woods preaching to squirrels and stuff, but he'd never preached before a live audience before. He had been in the trailer parks and the fellowship club meetings in Charlotte, but he never had actually preached. He just sort of ad-libbed while he was listening to others. He knew it would be different preaching to a real crowd with real people and a real sermon. He said, what am I going to do? They said, you'll be all right. He said, I've never preached a formal sermon in front of a church audience. And they sort of laughed and they said, well, we'll pray for you. Mr. Underwood said, and God will help you. Reluctantly, Billy Graham agreed. It was a little else for him to do because here's the dean of his school and he's telling him he's got to preach. He doesn't want to preach. He's so nervous. He stays up all night praying and studying instead of sleeping. The next day, he practiced the sermons out loud in front of his mirror and he was ready to go. And by evening, he felt that at least one of the four should work. It'd be about 20 or 30 minutes. So he picked the one that he thought it was the best out of the four sermons. He arrived at the church, a little country church, pot-bellied iron stove near the front of the tiny Boswick Baptist Church, took the chill off the room, and cold, windy night, and the song leader, who was chewing tobacco, while he was leading the singing. Every so often, he'd walk over to the side door while the song was going, he would spit and come back and keep going right in the middle of the song. About 40 ranchers and cowboys and their wives were crowded in the room, and finally the moment arrived for Young Billy Graham to step up to the pulpit. His knees were shaking, perspiration glistening on his hands as he launched into his first sermon. In his mind, the first sermon finished almost as soon as it started, so he carried over right into his second sermon. That seemed the way, same way, so he went to his third sermon, preached all of it, and then he went to his fourth sermon, preached all of it. And finally, after preaching all four of his sermons, he sat down and only eight minutes had passed. Everyone who's ever preached or ever spoke in front of people before can relate to that. But my father told me something that most people are not aware of. The Billy Graham Crusade team was based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and was taken off in the 50s when my father was in Bible school up there in St. Paul, Minnesota, the Apostolic Bible Institute, St. Paul, Minneapolis, being Twin Cities. They received word of a time when the Holy Ghost broke out. Billy Graham and his team were overseas getting ready for a crusade, and they had a little prayer meeting before the crusade was to start. And while they were praying, the Holy Ghost broke out. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care where you're from or what your belief is. If you'll pray. I said, if you'll pray, the Holy Ghost can show up at any time. People in that room started getting the Holy Ghost. There were reports of people speaking in tongues. Some even said Billy Graham received the Holy Ghost, even though that was never confirmed. But when they got back to the United States, they had to have a meeting with some of their denominational leaders. And they said, what are we going to do? He said, well, and they agreed that they wouldn't let it out. We better not let the public know about this because they're not ready for this. I'm going to tell you something. They were ready. They were ready in Azusa Street for this in the turn of the century. And I submit to you today that every single man, woman, boy, and girl is ready for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
I love Rick Warren. I love his books. I've read The Purpose Driven Life, The Purpose Driven Church. I've been to his conferences, his commitment to the cause of Christ. His heart for people is unmatched. Many people don't know he's the single largest giving individual in the world to try and cure AIDS among children in Africa. He does so many things behind the scenes and under the radar that is pure Christianity. It'd take me all day to tell you about it. I even went to a conference and heard him say to a group of 7,000 pastors, we were wrong, and he mentioned his denomination. He said, we were wrong when we preached about speaking in tongues and saying that it wasn't of God. We should have never been against it because it's in the Bible and it's sweeping the world. And I believe that when you're wrong, you ought to stand up and admit it. So I want to say to this group of pastors, we are wrong and the Holy Ghost is for you today. I heard it with my own ears. I love T.D. Jakes. I love his powerful preaching. He was baptized in Jesus' name in West Virginia by a UPC pastor. He has a revelation of the Jesus' name message, but he was asked by the Christian networks of TBN to tone down the Jesus' name message or he wouldn't get any more airtime. I hope he don't ever tone it down. In fact, I heard him the other day preaching a Jesus' name message. I'm going to tell you something, folks, right now. There's a message of Jesus' name that is sweeping this world. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to come about because of any name that you recognize. Because there's only one name that's going to bring about this. It's the other 12. It's people that you don't know about. People whose names you may never hear. People that are gathered in little huddles all across this world that are praying and the Holy Ghost is coming upon them. There is only one name and his name is Jesus. You can be a part of those other disciples today. You may not be Billy Graham or T.D. Jakes or Rick Warren, but you may be Jesus. Jesus. right now. There's a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in this place. Would you stand to your feet and would you lift your voice now? The shout of a trumpet. And would you declare the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I feel led the Holy Ghost to say this. I feel like there's at least 12 people in this building right now that need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want you to come out from where you're standing. I want you to come right up here on this platform with me. There's at least 12. Just step out of where you're standing. I don't care what your background is. It doesn't matter how old or how young. I want you to step out from where you're standing right now and join me up here on this platform. This is the day that the Lord hath made. This is the moment for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. 
Come on, my friend, you've put it off long enough. This is the time for you. All you got to do is obey. Come on right now. Here comes some right here. A child shall lead them. Come on, my friend, man or woman, boy or girl. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. I want you to step out from where you're at right now. I want you to come right up here on this platform. We're going to baptize you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Here they come. Here they come from all over the building. Don't be afraid. Just come right up here. Brother Richie's going to take you. We're going to baptize you in Jesus' name. And the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. God bless you, my friend. You made the right decision. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon my friend. As we baptize him in the water, Lord. I pray your spirit would come upon him. You ever been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? That's going to happen too. He's going to baptize you in Jesus' name. When you come up out of that water, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Come on, my friend. Come on, my friend. Now's the time. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Go ahead. Go ahead and get them ready. One, two, three, four, five other people. There's 12 people in this building right now. Come on. There's some other 12. There's some other disciples that are here. Pastor, you don't know my background. You don't know what I've been through. I'm going to tell you something. The name of Jesus is for whosoever will. I said whosoever will. Whosoever will. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes. I feel there's some more coming. In the name of Jesus. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's at least three more that's in this building. Come on, you've resisted. You've fought it long enough. This is your day. This is your moment. God hath ordained this morning for you this morning. This message is not for your neighbor. It's for you. I said it's for you. So many times we can explain away a move of God and we can say that was a good message for the church, that was a good message for sinners, that was a good message for those that were visiting. No, my friend, this is a message for you. Jesus wants to put his name and stamp it on your heart. And just like when that death angel came over and saw that blood that was applied to the doorpost of those Israeli children that lived in Egypt, guess what happens when you go down in the name of Jesus? When the enemy comes in like a flood, he can't touch your home because you're a... You got the name of Jesus. I said, you got the name of Jesus! Stamped on your heart and in your life. More are going to come, but let me tell you this. This is what I feel. I want to close with this this morning. You've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Good God, I feel it in this house right now. I said, that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive that experience right now. I want you to come out from where you're standing and just come and stand right down front here. God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. Don't be afraid. Turn to your neighbor right now and ask him, have you received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Ask him. Come on, I don't care if it's your wife. Ask him. You'll be surprised. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Isn't that what Paul asked them? We, we don't, we're not even sure what you're talking about. Take them by the hand right now and bring them right down here to the front. We're going to have a, we're going to have a mass altar call right now in the name of Jesus. And God's going to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And when you do, you're going to feel that fire come down upon your own life. Come on, I know we can do an altar call and everybody blend together, but I believe God will honor it if you'll step out by faith. You say, well, I don't want to go down there with everybody looking. Guess what? Heaven's looking. That's what's important right there. God is watching. The Bible says the angels rejoice over just one. Come on, you need the Holy Ghost. Come on down right now. Those of you that know how to pray the prayer of faith, would you come step out from where you're standing right now? Let's gather right down here in the front. We're going to create an atmosphere 
of faith. And we're going to believe God for the miraculous right now. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you still been thinking about baptism. It's still open right now. Just go through that door. Brother Matt Mason will show you back there. They'll get you in line. We're going to baptize and we'll put the video feed up here on the main screen. You're going to start to see him get baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord is calling disciples right now in the name of Jesus. Those of you that come down here to receive the Holy Ghost, let me give you a few instructions. The Bible says that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's a gift. You don't have to beg for it. When you get a gift, it's freely given. You don't have to beg or plead or stomp and snort. All you got to do is ask God. Lord, I'm ready to receive your spirit. But there's two things that we know the spirit of God works in. It's an atmosphere of faith and an atmosphere of worship. Those two things is what the Holy Ghost moves in. So what we try to do is create an atmosphere of faith and worship. You've got to believe. I can't make you believe. you. But the very fact that you walk down here shows that you believe. But when you pray, I want you to confess that faith and say, God, I believe. In fact, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. Come on, just declare it even before you receive the evidence of it. I thank you for your spirit. Sometimes faith will build in our hearts and lives when we hear ourselves proclaim something. Say, Lord, I thank you for it. And then, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to worship God with your mouth. So many times we bow our heads down because we're ashamed of our sins and our past. We've asked God to forgive us, and we're going to pray that. Then after you've asked God to forgive, you've got to believe that he's forgiven you. And after we pray the prayer of repentance, I want you to lift up your hands, lift up your head, lift up your voice, and begin to declare the greatness of God. You say, I'm not sure what to say. All you've got to do is say hallelujah. That's the highest praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we're going to pray a prayer of repentance because the Bible said, if we believe, we shall receive. And if we have asked God to forgive us of our sins... He's going to do the rest. Do you believe that? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. And I thank you for your spirit. I believe your word, God, that you would forgive me of every sin. Now I'm asking you, God, to forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my hands. Cleanse my mind. Things that I know about, things that I don't know about. Everything, Lord, I recognize that I was born in sin. Shaped in iniquity, as your word says. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin right now. I'm asking you to cleanse my heart with your word and with the blood of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, right now. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to come into my heart, Lord. Now, God, I thank you. I thank you that you have forgiven me. And I worship you right now. I'm ready to receive your spirit. And I receive the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. Now lift your hands. And begin to declare the glory of God right now. That's it. Worship Him right now. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. I bless the name of Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost.